On the dressing, um, I did get some, let's call them veiled, you know, coaching from people above me about like, oh, well, you know, it's girl, like, you know, these these pantsuits and, and the dresses may not be as professional. I would get a little bit of commentary, you know, but the majority of it, aside from that direct presentation skills one, were cues that I was picking up. Like I would be looking around and just yeah. no one was wearing a red lipstick. No one had big earrings. Everybody spoke with a tone of voice that was kind of more muted and the way they behaved in meetings. Um, I was looking at other women around me, none who I could relate to, but because none of them looked like me, especially when I started in corporate America. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, dímelo. What's up? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Duetes podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. And the way that we will do that is by scaling representation that we wish we had when we were younger. I'm talking about representation of people thriving in their professional careers and still holding on to their identity, being their most authentic self unapologetically. In my own experience, I spent years and decades assimilating to traditional corporate culture and standards, and my career was suffering as a result. It wasn't until I started embracing my most authentic self that my career actually took off. I let go of the fear of standing out and realized that my difference was actually my strength. It wasn't until I saw the representation myself of someone leaning into their authenticity and using it to accelerate their career that I noticed that it was okay. So on this podcast, every week we have a new guest to showcase that your authenticity is actually a strength. And we explore that journey by exploring that experience between professionalism and authenticity that our guests have faced. Speaking of guests, this week on the podcast, we have- Michelle Freire. These days, Michelle and her family reside in Princeton, New Jersey. That said, she grew up in Puerto Rico. Professionally, she's currently the global brand president at Clinique at the Estee Lauder Companies, where she's responsible for guiding the brand's overall strategic vision and driving global growth. Michelle has a proven track record of fostering workplace inclusivity, and she's received several awards and honors in recognition of these outstanding contributions. To name a few, Fortune's 2018-50 Most Powerful Latinas in Business. She was named by Alpha 50 Most Powerful Latinas 2021 Corporate Trailblazer. If that wasn't enough, she's also a founding member of Chief, which is a private network designed to accelerate women in business and support women leaders. Now that you know a little bit more about Michelle, let's get into the conversation that we had around authenticity versus professionalism. And with any episode, you guessed it. We started with what does authenticity really mean to her? To me, you know, authenticity or, or being your authentic self means having the true like self-confidence to be free from other people's judgment and, and kind of confidently and genuinely express all aspects of yourself, like your whole self. Um, rather than just a particular side that, that you would only want certain people to see. It's to really freely be yourself and how you communicate, how you dress, what you stand for, what you really stand for, um, your value system and how that aligns with your actions. And I think if you believe in yourself um, and you have that kind of self-awareness, and mindfulness to truly understand your authentic self and then the confidence in who you are and what you represent, you don't have to worry then about what other people think. 
and you can, you know, be that authentic self. And I think that's what we should all be striving for. I love that. And it resonates with me so much. Um, I know these days you are confident um, and I, I would assume pretty self-aware, but what about growing up? Like, were you always confident in that authenticity you described? No, I think <laughs> I have absolutely grown into it. I think I was confident from a young age in my personal life, but once I entered the corporate America, you know, environment, I, I definitely, as a Latina woman in marketing role, you know, starting my career in a conservative corporate environment in my early 20s and 30s, I did find myself kind of holding back parts of myself, whether it was from how I dressed or how I acted. I just often felt the need to like censor myself, like just be more reserved. Um, and whether that was, you know, about when I say what I wore, like, is it, was it about like a pantsuit versus what I really wanted to wear, which was like a more feminine dress that a Latina would like to wear or my earrings not being too big or don't wear a red lipstick because it's you know too bright to in your face you know or how I communicated or expressed myself I you know would work on being more kind of toned down than my natural passion you know which I have for the business and for the people but I would kind of tone it down so it was really all about blending in and conforming um, and making myself not stand out too much as a Latina, you know, and even another example comes to mind, which, you know, is something I, I have spoken about before is I took a presentation class, you know, early on in my career with other peers. And the instructor told me in, in some practice sessions that I spoke too much with my hands, which as we all know, as a Latina or Latino, like this is what we do. Like we grow up in this. But she told me it was too distracting for the audience. And so after getting that feedback, I became quite self-conscious about it. And for a while, I really tried to not use my hands while presenting, which was really hard and not natural at all. And I'm sure that came through when I was presenting. But then I really started growing in my confidence as a leader, as a woman, as a person. And I realized that actually using my hands expressed my passion and energy and actually made me a much more interesting and engaging presenter. And it humanized me as well versus like being a robot up there that can't like move their hand. And it also felt I was, you know, I would come alive, right? Because then it was, I was living into my authentic self. So I was being more natural, more comfortable. And so I think it, it was a long journey of confidence to get to this point. But I actually believe that when I finally started making that shift to live into my authentic self is when my career really accelerated in the end. Um, and, you know, I, I lead with my heart. Um, and that comes directly from being a Latina and being an authentic self. And honestly, my dream is to redefine that for a younger generation and hopefully shorten that cycle of maybe I had to wait maybe a couple of decades to live into it. <laughs> it'll be a shorter journey for others, um, but it's a great journey when, when you get to the point where you can really live into it. Exactly. That's exactly what I want to do. You know, maybe someone experiences that you know, these days, maybe in their 30s and their 40s, like, what if they experienced that in their 20s? Like, imagine, to your point, right, when you start, stop wasting time and start bringing your authentic self, you, your career starts thriving. It's the same thing that happened to me as well. I mean, obviously, 
different levels in our career, I'll say. Um, but but I'm curious too, like, I love that example when you said someone directly told you, you know, as far as your presentation, something that they believed you had to edit, right? But then there are other examples when you were talking about lipstick color or how you dressed or your earrings. Were which those- I've clearly moved past now. Yes. <laughs> clearly moved past, which I love. Uh, I'm wondering for you, like, were those also situations where people told you that you should change aesthetically or were those just like expectations that you had in your head based on people, you know, just looking around? On the dressing, um, I did get some, let's call them veiled, you know, coaching from people above me about like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, as a girl, like, you know, these these pantsuits and, and the dresses may not be as professional. I would get a little bit of commentary. Mm-hmm you know, but the majority of it, aside from that direct presentation skills, one were cues that I was picking up. Like I would be looking around and just no one was wearing a red lipstick. No one had big earrings. Everybody spoke with a tone of voice that was kind of more muted and the way they behaved in meetings. Um, I was looking at other women around me, none who I could relate to. But because none of them looked like me, especially when I started in corporate America, we had not made a significant headway. We still have a lot of work to do, but at least we're starting to see more people that look like us, you know, uh, being represented. But that was not the case, you know, when I started my career. So I think I was picking up on a lot of cues um, and those nonverbal cues and, and thinking that's the only way I can be successful is to follow those cues same I I looked at my manager and I was just like I'm gonna treat him like a mannequin like literally from head to toe whatever he's wearing I'm gonna go buy it I was like <laughs> whatever shoes he's wearing the the button up with the, t- in the tucked in jeans all of those things I literally treated him like a mannequin and that just became my wardrobe so I I get it which I can imagine was like extremely far from your authentic self <laughs> yes yes I essentially had a wardrobe for work and a wardrobe for for out of work but it's so cool for me that, you know, you eventually got to a point where you started feeling a lot more comfortable, but what was it for you? What was that switch? Was it a moment? Did you see somebody that you admired? Like, what was it for you? No, I think it was my performance in the business. I think it was actually being able to succeed. Like I, yes, all that was going on, but I was very much like, but at the end of the day, if I deliver, like if I perform, then it's in a way that's always a, or should be an insurance policy. And I wasn't thinking of it like, oh, if I perform, I can be an authentic self. I didn't even get to that point of self-awareness. But I think that I was just being very deliberate about my career and growing and performing and delivering results and, and leading people. And I started realizing that the times that I was at my best at work were when I was starting to show more of my authentic self. So whether it was relationship with retailers or leading the sales team, or whenever I would start to kind of open up and let more of that authentic self come out, I would connect a lot more with people, with the retailers, I get to inspire people. I started building deeper relationships with our customers. 
I, I started really expressing then more my point of view, my real point of view. So it all then kind of was a magic that then started feeding off each other because then it was like, but that helped the performance of the business, which helped my performance as a leader. And then it all started to feel like, oh, so maybe I can, maybe this is actually a, a strength. Maybe this is something that I should lean into more. And then I started continuing to get that confidence. So I think it was a journey. It wasn't like one magic specific moment that you hit like one example, but there were many along the way that I think continued to kind of building blocks into that confidence that I yeah. needed to really let go and be live into who I really was. Yeah, it's almost uh, like validation or permission, yes. right? Yes. Like for me, I always say, well, I used to think, all right, if I start a job, I'm going to wait for one at minimum, maybe two performance reviews. Because if I get two performance reviews and they're validating to the point where like, hey, you're doing your job well, then if anyone says anything to me, it was like, did, did you look at the numbers though? Because does it matter that I'm wearing a t-shirt, for example, or that I didn't shave today? Like I'm trying yeah. results. Like why should this matter? I'm curious though, because it sounds like, now you're getting a different type of feedback. Now, instead of people saying that you should change, now you're saying maybe almost like validating feedback or admirable feedback. Like what sort of feedback did you start getting, whether it's like internally or clients, et cetera? Before Michelle answers that question, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast. And now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at treatcv19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. I, I think I also had the fortune to work for someone when I was, you know, kind of really starting to accelerate in my career, who was not a typical corporate person either. Oh, tell me about that. <laughs> you know, so he, he, you know, he's Canadian and he ended up being a pivotal mentor, boss, sponsor in my life. Um, it's like a family member to me now, but, you know, he, he was a bit more casual, you know, in a very corporate environment. He'd be like wearing sneakers and jeans and, and a jacket and everybody else was dressed more conservatively. And he kind of spoke his mind. And um, what was, what was you know, it like when you when you saw him and or even like heard him speak? You're like, who is this guy? <laughs> I was like, I like it. I, <laughs> I, I was like, yay. Um, and it was interesting to see it from like a white guy in that like, I think we also like, you know, we think of our own, right? Because we all look at things, you know, through our own filter. Like I was like, oh, you know, to be an authentic self or as a Latina, these are the things that I'd want. But to see a, a, a white male who was actually also trying to be his authentic self in a white male environment with others who were not like him and didn't, you know, he didn't totally fit in the box, um, but he was extremely successful. He was delivering incredible results. His team would walk through a wall for him because he was extremely inspirational. Um, he was super smart. He had a, 
amazing relationships in the industry on all levels with our retail customers with everybody and so to see him and he was just like this vivacious personality and he just kind of was like take it or leave it but like this is what you get and so that also gave me some freedom but he it's almost like then not only did it give me the freedom but he really valued what I brought to the table as my whole self it was the first time that I was like oh I have a leader who I really look up to, which is interesting, who was a white male, but mm-hmm. he so valued everything about my leadership style, what I brought to the table, how I express myself. Um, and uh, I learned so much from him, but he, he did give me that permission. So those things started to come together. And then together we were extremely successful, outstanding results, you know, year after year for several years. Wow. So it's probably like the first time where you felt safe. Yes, absolutely. No question. That's beautiful. And that safety really allowed me to blossom as a leader. I and love that. That was, that was a gift. I love that. I love the example too of the inspiration that you had and the, the safeness or the safety that you felt came from a white man. And, and it's one of the reasons why I mean, many of the stories that I tell on the podcast are, you know, from the Latino, Latina, Latinx, Hispanic audience, but I also have people that don't self-identify as such. And I think it's necessary because we can pull inspiration from anywhere, right? Like we don't have to look at um, someone that looks like us to be inspired. Um, And I also think it's a, it's an example of an ally, let's call him, that doesn't self-identify with the same identity as you yet they created a safe space for you to feel comfortable, right? And, and I yes. think that's what we need as well. Yes, but he understood what it was like for other people to maybe judge that he didn't fit the box, um, you know, but he was comfortable with that. And that also was a great lesson for me. He really just didn't care. Like he was kind of like, I am like, this is who you get, like, and this is who I am. And, uh, and there, was, there was such strength in that. Um, and I really admired and respected that and learned a lot from it. So not only did I, did he create the safe space, he role modeled for me, which I intend to do for others that I think is really important as a leader. That's what I was going to ask you too. Like now, do you feel maybe it's not pressure, but a responsibility to, to be that person for other people? Yeah. I mean, now that I have that confidence, I feel, first of all, like I have like no choice but to show up a hundred percent authentic every day. I am fortunate enough to have joined a company, the Estee Lauder companies where individuality and authenticity is so respected and valued. And, and I really searched for that, you know, and kind of my, I, I joined the company a year and a half ago. Um, you know, I, I searched for a culture and a value system that would encourage and and believe in what I bring to the table and highly value it as my authentic self and it's magic when you're in an environment that makes you feel safe but I think for me like I feel a huge responsibility because I am in a position now in senior management you know leading a huge business and there are not many Latinos or Latinas where I am. And so uh, at this level, and I recognize that I need to now pave the way. If I was inauthentic, I'd be in any moment. If I'm inauthentic, I am doing a disservice to everybody under me. And so being authentic is one of my great passions as a leader. And I want to do what, you know, that sponsor of mine did for me. I want to role model 
being an authentic leader and also lead with empathetic leadership, you know, creating a culture where people feel safe to show up every day as their whole self. Um, because I really believe that's how you do your best work. That's like, you know, and that is how the culture of an organization should be built. Um, and so I don't, I don't believe in this like code switching and changing who you are and like coming in and being a different person in the workplace and at home, like you said, like the two outfits, you know, <laughs> like the one in your like that, you know, you have to be you. And I want everybody to bring their ideas and their different points of views and their passions and their cultural understanding of different groups and, and consumers. And it, when you bring all that to the table and everybody brings their authentic self, you get the best out of everybody and they're for the best for the business and the best thinking that will drive the results. I really believe that, that high performance organizations, there's a link between people being able to bring their authentic selves and, and have a high performance organization that consistently delivers exceptional results. A hundred percent. Agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, all these talks about authenticity in the workplace, I think a lot of it is the impact that is, that comes out of some of these conversations is typically communicated around the individual. And I think there's obviously a ton of benefits for the individual, but I feel like one opportunity that isn't discussed enough is for the organization. Like I remember when I was working at, at Facebook and other companies, I wasn't doing my best work for the organization and delivering the results that they needed because I was literally spending hours out of my day and days out of my week to research like white popular American culture. So instead of doing things that I wanted to do or doing work, like I would literally just like binge watch shows. Um, I mean, there are women on the podcast as well that come on and say like, yeah, I used to like binge watch sports center just to be able to talk to my male colleagues that are in leadership, right? So that you could feel accepted and also just build a relationship, right? Because at the end of the day, we all have to some extent, a lot of the same skills, right? Like if you're an analyst, everybody knows Excel, right? How you really differentiate yourself is through building relationships, right? So a lot of Absolutely. people, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of people like study and do research and become an actor in like things that they don't even care about um, just to be able to fit in. So, so sad. And, and honestly, it, to your point, like what a time suck and energy drainer mm -hmm. to be doing that instead of pouring all that energy and time into thinking of new ways to drive the business of thinking out of the box and bringing your fresh ideas to the table. Like it's just being like, take it. It's like a vacuum that's just draining the energy out. Um, so it's, uh, but it's a reality, right? Just like you said, because, you know, in, the fact is that as you move up, you know, it is about sponsorship and it is about relationships and, you know, and so it is, it's, of course, it's very common that people are trying to find those connection points. Um, you know, I, I know people who have women who have tried to learn how to play golf just so they could hang out on the golf course, you know, even though they were completely bored by it um, and had like zero interest in it. I never got to that point um, because I just couldn't be on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> really? Did, so you never, you never went down the rabbit hole of like golf or, or I don't know, like, you know, even for me, when I used to go to happy hours, like I would try to drink whiskey. I hate whiskey, <laughs> but like, I tried to just drink it because like, that's what like the men were drinking. You know what I mean? Uh, 
Did you ever go through any of that? I mean, I think I went through the, of course, like being in a, in some sort of cocktail party, work cocktail party with people that were much more senior than me and trying to, to connect with them. I think I, I went more down the route of like, you know, connecting about, you know, their family, Mm -hmm. like asking about, because I think most people want to talk about their kids and want to talk about their families. And that was maybe a more natural place for me Mm -hmm. to at least then relate to that. And then we connected that. And, you know, I have a, a, someone who became a really pivotal sponsor in my life. And it was, you know, I took him and his daughter to, to a Fox Teen Choice Awards that we were sponsoring. And, and I took him there and I ended up bonding with his daughter who was like, whatever, 10 or something. And I kind of took care of her. And, and it's funny because that was more natural to me. And that way I was being more authentic. And so he got to see me in a different light. And it's amazing. I mean, she's like 22 now or whatever. Like, so <laughs> it's incredible, but he really, he and I then developed a connection. Then, you know, we talked about, we had, you know, gone to the same business school. We had like whatever. And then we started kind of finding other connection points. Um, and so, but I tried through family, you know? Um, so yes, I was intentional about it. Just didn't get maybe to the whiskey and the golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's better off that way. You know, I, I love that though. It's like, cause we all have some point of connection. And I think if we try hard enough, we can, we can find it. But many of us, I think, you know, going back to the golf example or my example, I think we, we think that we don't have it. And then we just do, go into this rabbit hole of research, et cetera. But I love that you were able to find that connection. Yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human, right? Exactly. And so I think there's a lot about the human connection that, you know, you can drive, but you know, hey, and then there's also the times that even if you try, I've had those too, where there's like nothing. I mean, you just try to connect with someone who's more senior than you. They're just so different than you. I had that too, you know, that they were just such a different culture so much I mean the antithesis of the Latin culture that there was just not a connection but and you know what at first I would get super concerned about it and super stressed about it because there would be a dinner and I'd feel like oh my god I sat next to this person who's so senior I wasn't really able to create that connection how's that going to impact me um but then in the end again I kind of continued to grow in confidence and when that would happen again with a different senior person I started feeling like that's going to be okay because if I deliver results, I think it'll be okay that I don't have a connection, but I'll make them look good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, exactly. But you kind of grow into all of that. It's a journey for sure. It's definitely a journey. I remember what my strategy at one point was you know what? I'm not even going to try to build commonality. I'm just going to try to show off my differences so for example there's always the question of like what did you do this weekend and i would typically lie (laughs) that question (laughs) (laughs) which is always such a loaded question (laughs) yeah and like i always wonder like do you really want to know you know what i mean (laughs) um but i I would typically lie to form some sort of commonality right in the end like one day and i was i was having a really hard time building a relationship with this client um but one day i just told the truth and it, it wasn't anything illegal or anything. I was just like, 
oh, you know, I went out salsa dancing and they were like, oh my God, that's so cool. Where did you go? Um, where's that in the city? And like, do you dance? And like, show me a video and, and like all these things. And like instantly my differentiator became interesting. That became a relationship that I was able to foster because I was able to be honest, right? Like my bland way of finding commonality was just so redundant and something that she's heard so often. So yeah, like it, your, your differentiator is, is a strength as well. It's something that I want to. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And again, it can be an asset. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, last question. I love the fact that you've been able to grow into this confident, self-aware leader, and you're now the representation that other people look up to, which is beautiful. Um, you know, the journey isn't over. What's one thing that continues to inspire and empower you to, you know, to bring your most authentic self to work? A few things. I think first, I think my parents who, you know, I'm grateful that they're still alive are extremely authentic people. You know, they've, they've gone through a lot of hardship um, and in doing so, they inspire me to be, they role model for me. They were the first ones to role model for me being an authentic self and they continue even in their old age to be that and just like so freely be and genuinely be their authentic selves. Um, and they've follow what they believe in and showed resiliency like no other. And so I've learned the importance of that. And then my children now, I have six-year-old twins. I feel like I have to be, it inspires me to be, to pave the way for them, to role model for them. I think um, they, you know, them and their generation, you know, and all the generations that, that are coming up, you know, behind me in, in corporate America. And like I spoke about before, I think, in the company where I'm in, you know, which I'm so fortunate to be in a company like a sailor that really values it and allows me as a leader to role model that for other people. So I think like we talked about, we I'd want the journey to be shorter for other people. So that inspires me as well. Any role that I can play in shortening that time frame for someone to get to that point of feeling confident enough to bring their whole self to work into their life. I can play a role in that and it's extremely inspiring to me and, and really empowers me to, to keep going in that journey as a leader and to pay it forward um, in the way that others paved it the way for me, like that example of my sponsor that I said. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quinto Eres podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next week.